All right, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Dog Guitars, located at 141 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Gray Dog Guitars is an authorized tailor, Gretsch, guild, and reverend dealer with a friendly, knowledgeable staff and a welcoming environment. Whatever you are looking for, whether to buy, sell, or trade, Gray Dog Guitars has you covered. So stop by today and check out their great selection of new, used, and vintage gear and check them out at www.graydogguitars.com. Welcome to The Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Hey everybody, today's guest on the podcast is a great guy named Tony Luca. Tony Luca is a Nashville-based singer-songwriter whose catalog of music runs the gamut from soul-infused pop to tear-jerker folk balladry. His music has been featured on shows like Parenthood, Friday Night Lights, Felicity, and Brothers and Sisters. He won the 2001 Best Singer-Songwriter LA Music Award and was a frequent member of the house band on Last Call with Carson Daly, where he performed alongside then-fellow up-and-comers like Kamasi Washington, Zane Carney, Brian Wright, and stalwarts like Mark Ford and Cordova's frontman Joe In 2012, Luca took third place on NBC's The Voice, earning himself a record deal with coach Adam Levine's 222 Records. He's toured alongside such artists as Sarah Bareilles, Johnny Lang, Mark Anthony, Maroon 5, Kelly Clarkson, Rachel Yamagata, Emerson Hart, and Gabe Dixon. During the pandemic of 2020, Luca curated the Mo Verb Lounge Sessions, a weekly live stream series with themes and content contributed by his wildly devoted fans. He currently resides in Nashville with his wife, Rachel, their kids, Liam and Sparrow, along with their dog, Apple. If you'd like to learn more about Tony Luca, please see our show notes for links to his website and social media accounts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, The Creative Convergence. We are back again, and we have um, one of the coolest hangs. That's like my favorite way to describe you because anytime (laughs) your name comes up, Tony, I'm like, he's just the coolest hang, man. Tony Luca is here. He is a wordsmith, a poet, an incredible voice, a songwriter extraordinaire. He is also just a really good fucking hang. Pardon my F-bomb. Every time we've been in a room together, you're always going to end up having a good time and smiling. So thank you for being here, Tony. Well, thank you for that very uh, delicious intro. <laughs> I do what I I do what I can to keep it delectable and tasty. Uh-huh. Um, but it's all true, which is the exciting part. So, I haven't seen your face in ages. We were just talking about that before we started rolling. Yeah. I'm very happy to see your pretty face. Uh, likewise, and and uh, congrats on like all the life changes and be- becoming a mom. I mean, oh yeah, it's the best big, thing. Big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal, and it's the best thing. It's um, I always tell people when I find out that they're having kids and they're a little maybe not apprehensive but nervous, you know, because that's a it's a huge life change. I'm like, welcome to the best part of your life. I feel like now when my kid's a teenager, and you can advise me on this. I know you have one that is probably in that age group. Oh, maybe yeah. maybe my opinions will change. But at the moment, I'm like, this is by far the coolest thing I've ever done. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like uh, if if you were ever putting off getting to know yourself a little bit, uh, <laughs> you know, now's the time. Now surprise! <laughs> it's like you really do start to relive your entire life in slow mo on a on a daily basis through your kids. You're just like, oh god, um, <laughs> you know. Just uh, you you always wish that you were a little more well equipped than than you are. Um, <laughs> we all learn as we go, right? That's yeah, the other exactly. thing I tell people. I'm like, you've got nine months to prepare and even then you won't be prepared but you'll figure it out as you go yeah never no way in hell yeah so, build um, the parachute after you jump it'll be fine <laughs> it's funny yeah because i thought like man we gotta get our a game together before he turns you know become before he comes a teenager and now he's 18 he's like we gotta get this a game Gosh. together before we send him out into the wild <laughs> <laughs> you're like i i mean i know the last 18 years were probably good prep work on some level but we still didn't get to our game a game <laughs> let's um start with you because i want to dive into your very interesting and exciting life um Let's start from Munchkinville. When you were zero to five, six, seven ish, tell me where you were born. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your creative yeah. outlets. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was born uh, in in Pontiac, Michigan, outskirts of Detroit, uh, into a ginormous music family. Uh, my mom was the tenth of twelve kids, and wow. my, my grandfather was a semi-famous piano player in Detroit during like the radio days. He yeah. he had a he was kind of like, you know, how uh all the the late night guys have their music dude, you know. He was the music dude for uh, a show called The Anti D Show. He was Uncle Jimmy and he was like the the musical personality band leader guy of the show. And so he was, you know, very familiar with um being a consummate entertainer. He, yeah. and, but as well he played organ for the Archdiocese of the Detroit Catholic Church. So, you know, he raised 12 kids on on a on a working musician's income, which is pretty it's amazing, impressive. yeah, um, yeah, and, and so, but my, uh, um, I, so I grew up into it. It was definitely in the water, in the blood, uh, but it was pretty apparent early on that I was going to be, um, you know, a, a torchbearer of the family. Yeah. Flame. Now, how many siblings do you have? Do you have siblings? I have one sibling. Okay. I have a sister. Uh, she's eighteen months older. We were, uh, we were, and are, I know, t- terribly close. Yeah, uh, it's just awesome uh, friend growing up. But uh, she, she was not really into the music thing, and is not, yeah. you know, she just didn't get the thing, I guess, or yeah. whatever. She, she got many other things that I just wish I had. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to that whole parent thing, she's pretty good at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah i i kind of excelled at the music thing early on and and just started chasing it down as early as as early as i could what I mean, do you really- think's your earliest memory of being musical like did somebody hand you a guitar as a little munchkin or did you sit down next to your grandpa at the piano like what was the thing that bit you initially do you remember I think it was just like, you know, the first time I ever saw, you know, bands on stages with like that loud sound thing. Like, what is that? Oh, just so intrigued by every glimmer of light on a stage and seeing that. Uh, I remember one year, like my parents got their hands on a bunch of second hand music gear. So yeah. I got like a, I got a drum kit and an electric guitar the same year. And, <laughs> That's oh, awesome. And, you know, and, and uh, but probably the whole thing cost them 150 bucks. Yeah. You, know, you know, it was like, it didn't matter. I was like, oh my God. And so I, I kind of took to it uh, right away. Um, but I think it was, uh, it, it, I didn't really get, dive in on it until um, I had a cousin who was uh, close in age with me uh, up there in Michigan. And he and I were like, you know, Star Wars dudes. We were all about all this <laughs> stuff, you know. And then, uh, but then, and one year at, at Thanksgiving gathering after 
dinner had happened, you know, he he uh, he cracked out this little acoustic guitar with the you know nylon string acoustic guitar. His folks were like, "Oh, go ahead, get the guitar. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> Show everybody." And I was like, "What is he doing? What is he doing? What's, What's happening?" He didn't, he didn't tell me about this. I didn't get the memo. He cracks out this guitar and he just crack, just barrels out a song like yeah. Just, start to finish like sings and plays it together and i was like what is this and why is it not me doing this also this changes everything (laughs) (laughs) and so i was like well now i gotta do this So I got my hands on a guitar. And so the two of us, like right out the gate, we started learning and playing and writing. Did and, you guys make like yeah. a little mini band, like a little duo? We, we did. We, we were, we were each other's first bandmates. And then like, but before you know it, it's, it's, it's sixth, seventh grade. And right. we've got, we've got drummer and a bass player now. And by this time we had already had a couple of them. You so know? I, we, just to pause for really quickly, like did your mom or, or your dad or your grandpa, when they saw this interaction happening, were they interested in like putting you in lessons? Was it kind of a feel for yourself and figure it out like landscape, you know? Uh, well, yeah, I should back up and say that, that of this big family of music makers, uh, a couple of them know how to read yeah (laughs) like everywhere was just all by ear it was very like hey we're just kind of winging it here a bunch of entertainers really right uh and but no one really kind of took on the like the the theory and the study and and yeah no one was teaching you know like there weren't any teachers amongst everybody it was just a bunch of hams that looked forward (laughs) to that kind of reunion so they could sing their jam uh i had one uncle who was was you know genius and he he was able to transcribe and 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 transpose and, and he 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 got it he and he he had a pretty illustrious career as well, but um, but by and large, it was just a bunch. Of, I don't say hacks, but everyone's kind of winging it. Um, and I, that's how I fell in love. Yeah. With it, you know? uh, so I, there was there was a moment uh, the, that the, my grandfather he recognized the talent early on. He's like, no, we got to get him on uh, right. Get and he wanted to teach me the lessons, and and I was like, eh, right. you know, like. I just was intrigued by the piano. It was mysterious to me, but when we when it got down to lessons and doing it a, a certain way, like technically, it, it, yeah, it lost all of its magic to me. Um, and then, so my grandpa's um, younger brother was like a Kerouac type, you yeah, know, on the road, you know, beatnik kind of jazz musician. And my grandfather, my grandfather was like the the parlor player, you know, right. entertainer. Kind of- he stridey and and yeah, just, oh totally and yeah. he had a he had a voice like uh bing crosby you mm, know, just, that, that radio velvety like croony uh, warm yeah and, yeah and so that was his gig he he was the, the 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 crowd pleaser his younger brother was like the you know the rebel we're gonna play some rock and roll <laughs> right, totally, and, and he did, and, and he, but he died very early because of it. You know, he was I'm really. really he, I refer to him as like a comet. You know, like he just kind of yeah. blazed through. But have you ever saw the movie uh, Ray about the Ray Charles? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Remember when it, when when uh, the little boy's in the general store there, uh, uh, and he and he sees the guy in the back room playing piano and, and playing stride, and uh, and he brings him in, and he and he's got the thing, and he shows him how to do that whole thing. That scene, shot for shot, in my memory, uh, is is what happened with my what would be my great uncle. Yeah, my brother brought me over to the piano because he saw he would sit there and watch my grandpa try to teach me, and he'd be like, "No, he's babe. like, why are you trying to make it all academic? Just I'm, give this I'm, I'm kid not, an experience yeah. and let him run with it." This kid's got rock and roll in him. And yeah. he wants, he wants to, you know, and so he showed me that little. Yeah. And I was like, 
oh my God. And it just, it like, it unlocked the whole 88 keys. Just, yeah. I see it. Oh, this is how it works. And I just, man, there was no turning back after that. I, I, I just fell in love with it. Started uh, learning every song in the record collection that my parents had at the time. You know, all the cheesy, sad bastard songs, all the, <laughs> the Billy Joel, the Elton John, the, the you know, whatever it was. I love, uh, I still love all that music. So I know yeah. that it's easy to kind of go like, oh, that music, but I, eh, it's great. No, it, man. it hits I mean, the it, insides for me still. It does. I, and I had, and I was, I was like this interesting, like uh melancholy kid, you know, yeah. like my first, my first favorite song was bluer than blue by Michael Johnson. Sad and then sad. What is wrong with this three-year-old kid? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I just feel so deep to my insides in my long exuberant life. <laughs> yeah. Like you You're five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the whoa. <laughs> like it just feels the I feel the pain. I embody the ache. I did too, you know. Yeah. And and so I just I would go through my parents' records and you know, uh make cassettes of all the sad songs, then go out to the cassette player next to the piano and pause, play, pause, play. Yeah. And I did that for, you know, a few years until until the vocabulary. Right. Until I was familiar with like uh, oh that's how you realize that these, there's only so many chords. Right, right, <laughs> there's right, only so right. Many changes, <laughs> especially in sad bastard power ballads. Like, oh, this is the same thing, but it's just up three. Oh, yeah, I got. It. Okay, I figured out. Yeah, and then you know, then soon enough you start writing your own stuff. I don't know that I've ever asked this question, but I feel like you're the right person to ask it too because it's just something worth. I don't know. Maybe there's no answer whatsoever, but I do find it interesting what we're drawn to naturally. Like, mm -hmm. I do find that because it's fun to hear you joke about, like, the sad bastard songs and the things of that nature. But it's, but single, singularly, we do get drawn to something. And I, I still haven't figured out what or why, like, some people legit are like metal all the way. Like, it just makes me feel alive. It makes me feel angry. It makes me feel like I can unleash when my life is so controlled or whatever. I, much like you, I've always been like, I don't know, man, those melancholy songs just like, they can be cheeseball at the ears and they just pitter patter my little heart. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because I, I think it, it's funny how, how that, has, that, that changes a lot for, for me. And I, I, it's been a blessing and a curse, but I, 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 at different times I was naturally drawn to different things. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, there was, there was this sad bastard thing, but, but prior to that, like the early, early days of, yeah. of, 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 uh, what got me going was like, I was a kiss fan. I mean, I loved the, 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 the decadent rock thing. Like you said, it wasn't metal, right. I was, but I was into like riffs and I was into like swagger. Yeah. And, what do you think, what do you think draws these times in our lives? Do you think it's, I mean, cause when you're that young, it's not as though you have this life experience to go off of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you no, know? I, I, I'm just ever grateful that I grew, you know, we grew up in a time before the internet, you know, yeah. when, when imagination was so key. Here's to, to that point, like I, I, someone gave me a, a copy of a record. <laughs> uh, we were going through a, uh, my, one of my mom's friends album collections. She's like, you guys can take whatever you find. And me oh. and my cousin, Really? So we're just grabbing records. None of the records matched the jackets. We didn't know what was, what was that. It was like really someone had just given up on their vinyl collection. And we're just like, oh, let's take this, take this. And we came across uh, Led Zeppelin 2, mm -hmm. right? 
Uh, but I didn't know what it said. And I didn't, I think like maybe the label on the, 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 the thing had been ripped off or something. And again, it wasn't in the right jacket. Um, but I put it on and I thought it, it, it and, and someone told me it was Kiss. Yeah. Someone, someone had told me that that's Kiss. And so I, I'm listening to, um, a whole lot of love. Yeah. <laughs> you know where it kind of does that musical breakdown where it just gets really weird. It sounds totally. like. Dante's Inferno and you don't know <laughs> what you're hearing and he's playing the bow on the last Paul and John Bonham's doing all kinds of shit and and the, the, you know Robert Plant's just making all these weird sounds and it's just so incredible but yeah. um, I didn't know what that was I mean, it, it, what what genre is that what is is this, is this rock and roll is this is this Satan right. <laughs> <laughs> not today or oh, maybe today satan maybe today <laughs> you know and, but i i close my eyes and i'm picturing like gene simmons breathing fire totally. and blood coming out of his mouth and ace fraley just you know um i had no idea but it was just <laughs> it, it, but it was precious to me because like my my mind would just, run wild and and i love that i love that that was part of the early days but but definitely went through the the, the melancholy piano thing and then um you know got into like r&b in, in yeah. high school, you know, because the arm, nineties R and B was a thing. Now I have to ask in the in the as you're getting into your formative teen years and those kinds of things, and you're discovering mm. all this music. Are you then the kid that's trying? Are you already trying to keep writing? Are you trying to mimic your sounds? Are you trying to create a new sound, or were you still just having fun and not giving it all that pressure yet? Uh, yeah, no, hadn't hadn't really started writing in earnest, you know. Okay. Like I had I had written a couple things, and, and certainly when the piano came around, I was like trying to, you know, write things. And <laughs> uh, but 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 there was a there was a, a hot minute before the career kind of really took off, right. where um, my cousin again, you know, we we were now um, I was ninth grade, he was tenth grade, and uh, and he was ridiculous at this point, yeah, guitar wise, like yeah. There, there wasn't an ad adult that could hang with him in the Metro Detroit area. And here he is like this just 10th, shredding 10th grader, just shred fest, you know? And, um, and he had a, a, a band and they were working like a power trio thing, but, but, uh, he, he didn't want to be the front man. He didn't want to sing. He wanted to just be the guitar player. And were I'm you like, already singing this, but did you know you had the voice you have? Did you know that? Did you, had that come into your life yet? Okay, had you been like, I've got great tone. Well, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> put it that way. You know, I was, no, like, but again, like, I, I think our first gig, me and my cousin and our, our earliest band, our first gig was when I was in sixth grade. Yeah. And, and we got paid to do like this activities night at junior high thing. Yes. And it wasn't, it wasn't a dance, but they let us set up in the cafeteria and anyone who wanted to like rock out to Sweet Child of Mine and <laughs> in excess, they could come, you know, hang with us. And so, um, that was a ton of fun and it was like whoa yeah this is really cool so we started playing more gigs doing cover stuff and and you know that was all of junior high we would just do a few gigs a year and just trying to figure out how to how to make this thing work hadn't really done a ton of writing yet as a band did just, you still have in in young tony version did you still have your general tone or where is this evolved because when I, I listen to old stuff of me and i have a rasp like you <laughs> yeah it's so young and so clean like i i yeah. have to kind of trace back where I damaged my cords enough to have the, you know, but it's just, yeah. yeah. Had you found that grit yet? I hadn't, I, I was, I was, I was 
crafting that grit okay. uh, accidentally. <laughs> I was like, I was trying, I was going through adolescence trying to sing Axl Rose and right. Robert Plant and, and uh, you know, David Lee Roth and, you know, didn't, didn't know what vocal technique was, didn't know how to take care of it. I was never doing warm-ups. Right. I was just spraying like the red chloroseptic. <laughs> Thinking that I was taking care of my voice. All I was doing was like doping it up. So that I was going to say, you're just getting your yeah. like vocal cords drunk and mildly buzzed yeah. in your teenage. <laughs> you're like, oh, right. chloroseptics really make me feel good. <laughs> and, you know, thus doing probably a lot of irreparable harm to my voice. And to this day, like, I think I, I blew my opportunity at ever having a, a falsetto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in adolescence, you know, I went from like being able to sing uh, Whitney Houston's debut album, note for note, top to bottom, <laughs> you know, to like, oh, what is this? And, uh, you know, so yeah, it was a matter of just like, okay, you know, but but definitely was was identifying with, the, you know, the, the Black Crows. Yeah. Some of the Zeppelin stuff that I could sing and, you know, even having fun with something like a Red Hot Chili Peppers. And, and so, you know, like that, that was where our repertoire was heading. And, and I, you know, I remember singing New Sensation by <laughs> NXS and, you know, uh, the, but it was, but it, but it was definitely like right around that time that I, I, it was time to like figure something, you know, w what was next sort of thing. That's yeah. when uh, it was. So it was in ninth grade when, uh, when the got the, when we got the call for the for the Mickey Mouse Club. Thing. And that so really let me just ask you, yeah, because that for especially for being in that general age group, fourteen, fifteen ish, you know, um, that's a, I mean, it's a big break for anybody, but for somebody who has this artistic bug and who is, was this something that you said, I want to go out for this? Or was this something that you had read in the paper? Was it something that you just thought, oh, I'll give it a shot. And then when you got that call, were you like, holy mother of God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, exactly. I, um, backing up a little bit. Yeah. Now, there, there, when I was nine, I think, um, <laughs> nine, 10, there was, uh, they had an open call for uh, a back to school fashion show at the local mall right so like amazing it was like this, this, <laughs> run, this runway modeling thing so you could see it was a fashion show for the mall and all the stores in the mall and they, they hired a choreographer and a production team to come in and do this whole song and dance but amazing. it was like they were also kind of fishing for potential talent in the area right. and so i i got that the first year it was 1984 was the yeah, year yeah you did so, you know, yes i <laughs> I, I got that and, um, or maybe 85, it might have been, but I, I, I wound up getting, getting that and it just developed a little, little knack for being able to like do the catwalk and be a little charmer at yeah. the end of the runway. You know? Girl, I got and, the swag. Let's do this. I got my that, hips moving left yeah, and right. Like there's a lot of ladies, there's a lot of ladies <laughs> around. I like all these ladies around. And, uh, so then that, that led to a couple modeling gigs, you know, as a kid, I was like, this is, uh, this is weird. Well, uh, you're also a really ugly human being. So I don't know how that came about either but yeah you're not talented you're not attractive and you're certainly not a good hang yeah <laughs> uh but then you know but it wasn't it wasn't too long into that a couple gigs of that backstage with that uh subset you know that that little yeah. microcosm of people uh subculture of the a little more open and backstage where men and women dressing in front of each other yeah. and, and i didn't get that it wasn't like how is this cool? And how are you guys okay with this? This is weird to me. I just Girl, has anybody ever heard of a dressing room? 
Anybody? Yeah, no, table for I, one? Table for one? Okay, <laughs> just checking. You know, I, I just kind of realized like, no, this isn't my world. This, this is not my thing. And so I, I dove back in, you know, get, dove back into Midwest sports stuff. And, yeah. and so I was, uh, you know, basketball, football, ran track, that whole sort of thing through junior high. Um, but then we got word from some of the people back in that world, you know, that had said, hey, they're auditioning for, we might be able to get you an audition for uh, this. They're, they're auditioning for Newsies. Disney is casting oh, for yeah. Newsies. And uh, if, you, if you'd want to be in a musical, this might be, this might be a cool thing. And I was like, I, that could be cool, you know. Let's go check it out. I, yeah, I'd be into that. Uh, so you know, I didn't have a headshot. I didn't have resume. I had nothing. I mean, yeah. really, all I had done was a couple of runway modeling things. And so, no, I could strut for you all day. Ashante. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, and so, uh, my mom and my sister and I go downtown Detroit, where they were, where Disney was doing this casting thing at this, uh, you know, uh, convention hall space. And so we go there. And we're like, "Hey, Tony, look here for the thing." And they're like, "No, we 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 don't have you on our list." I'm not sure what information you got, but we're. Uh, you're not, you're not, really you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, no, but we were told, no, definitely we're told newsies. No, you, maybe you might want to check with the folks who are in town as well, casting for the Mickey Mouse Club. Uh, but, but we don't have you on our list. Ah. Like, what? This sucks. Oh man. I was all bummed out. Let's go. And my mom's like, well, we should just, you know, it's go right down there. And, like, let's you know, go. Yeah. At least see if, if there was a miscommunication or something. We could let them know that, hey. Good job, are. mom. She's just and keeping mom, it even. She's mom like, is keeping it right. So we go down there and she says, eh, my son, they thought he was here for the newsies, but they thought maybe you were. And they were like, oh, no, yeah, he's, he's here. And, and in fact, he's next. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hope you're ready, kid. And I was like, no, I'm not a Mickey Mouse Club. No, I, I had no idea right. that, that they, that Disney Channel had brought back the show. Uh, hey, you say Mickey Mouse Club, I picture in that Funicello hats with right. Tony <laughs> across my white t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. You're also, mom, not, I, I mean, I'm pretty cool now. I'm a, mo I'm a runway model. Like, I know, don't yeah, know uh, that I'm, I'm a, Mick <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, a clubber. <laughs> I'm a rock, I'm a rock <laughs> singer. Um, and so I was like, no, this, this sucks. Let's go home. And my sister, that's when my sister kicked in and she was like, don't be such a jerk. You know, like she asked, she gave me the old guilt trip. She's like, if I had the talent you had, I, you know, and I was like, oh, stop it. Don't I love it. Does she there. now say, if it weren't for me. <laughs> <laughs> He's far too uh, <laughs> angelic and modest for such uh, <laughs> such a claim, but she, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'll say it for her. If it weren't I for did, her, yeah. if it wasn't if it wasn't for my sister. So man. then you go in and you just knocked it out of the park and you book it. Basically. So I go in there, become best friends with the casting director to this day, a dear friend, and so yeah, like really, just you know, I was. I was precisely what they were looking for. It wasn't that I did so exceedingly well, but I was exactly what they were looking for. So, yeah. hey, uh, it made it easy. They said, hey, you know, if, if you're into this, you want to do this? Is this even a thing? You yeah. know, like I remember I went into the audition. I was chewing gum, you know, and, and, and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to put you, I'm going to video you. So I just need you to stand there and, and slate your name and where you're from. And I'm like, what, my name? What <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by one of our awesome sponsors, New Belgium. One of their beers, Voodoo Ranger IPA, is a favorite here at the Creative Convergence. Voodoo Ranger IPA is perfectly balanced with notes of guava, mango, and pineapple with a delicately bitter finish. 
For beer news and occasional mediocre advice, follow at Voodoo Ranger on Twitter and Instagram, where you will hear about what's new and where you can find Voodoo Ranger near you. Voodoo Ranger IPA. Drink responsibly. Live rangerously. Say your name and where you're yeah. from. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Um, you want to do? Do you want to spit out your gum? And I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, thanks for asking, but you know, yeah, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm much better. I'm, with the gum I'm saving mouth. this for later for sure. It's just oh. brand new. It's fresh. And he laughs out loud. He goes, "Let me get this right. You've never done." anything. I'm like, no, dude, this is as green as it gets. So I didn't even know the green was the term you used for someone like me. That's how green I was. Um, I'm a shade of magenta somewhere up in here. Oh, is it green? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Um, yeah. So, so uh, did they make you sing or do anything uh, as far as that's, that's how the audition went. It was like basically, Hey, uh, we had to bring a karaoke track of a song and then (gasps) sing along to your song. And then if they, if they heard the vocal talent, they saw like, some 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 camera charisma. I sang. Uh, they you want a ballad and an up tempo, and my uh, my ballad was "She's Got Away" by Billy Joel. Oh, but it's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, so I got like you know all the way through that, and, and uh, you know. Oh my all, gosh, we- little Tony Luca. She's got a way about her. Oh my gosh. I'm like visualizing you shrunken down into a little person, just being so cute and sincere. Maybe you did put your gum away for that part. And no. no, you didn't. You kept it inside of your cheek. No, I kept it. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, yeah. So, but then, yeah, they, he, he would, if that went well, if they heard the singing and they saw the, 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 the camera presence, they'd give you like some sides for a scene, a skit to go back out and lobby, work on it, and then come back in and, and do that uh so that meant that the audition was going well and so for sure you know i went out read some lines did this thing i'd never done that before i never yeah. acted before and this was the first kind of thing like read this you're playing the character of sound so I was like, oh my god this is fun this is cool and then so yeah from there he said look if you're into this if you want to do this you're exactly what they're looking for i would uh, you, you know you'll get a call we're going to send you out to la for basically like a camp a boot camp for what you would be doing down in florida yeah and uh, made it sound like all I gotta do is say I want to do it. And the part was mine, right? Uh, and so I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. <laughs> so sure enough, they they send all the, uh, the the they send the contract, which I didn't. I thought by getting a contract that meant I got the thing, but I didn't right. realize that in screen testing for major networks and, and studios, they give you the contract before you do the final screen test. So right. they send the contract. I think I'm in. I'm totally good to go. I go out to L.A. like going to this camp to train for my job down in Florida, you know. And I get out there, and there's like 25 other kids. Going and for the, the same know, the role. spot and, and and they're all like nervous as hell and i'm like what are you guys nervous about <laughs> y'all, y'all want a piece of gum it'll calm me down <laughs> like, <laughs> just chew some gum just chew know? some gum man they don't mind they asked me if i want to get rid of it i said no they were fine with it you get gum. chew you get to pick you can decide <laughs> um and so yeah that was like when i realized like wait a minute mom these kids are good and and they don't think they've got the part yet and i think I don't think I've got the part yet. I got it. Like this is a this is a this is a final audition. Just curious <laughs> now, because I think it's so funny to look back at your life from a perspective now of being a parent. Yeah. How did? Where did your? Was your mom like? Oh my gosh! I okay. I have this prodigy kid that's a great singer, and he and he plays music, and our family's musical, and this is great. When she got a call saying, "Hey, we're interested in your son." I mean, was she as excited? Was she excited with you? Was your family excited with you? Or were they kind of like, oh gosh, I mean, we'll go, we'll go see it, but I, you know, don't get crazy. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. 
No, she was she was thrilled. Yeah, you know? totally thrilled. But she'd be the first to like brag about the fact that she didn't have so much as a Polaroid. <laughs> you know, like she she loves the fact that she was not a stage mom. Yeah, and that that's part of the story because she really wasn't, never was. Uh, she made for a good stage mom. She was, a, I mean, a good mom to have around on yeah. the set. My mom's a great hang too. She's super charismatic. She's a lot of fun. And, yeah, and she just has a lot of personalities. So, uh, and come to find out, that was a large part of the casting process. Was it the day while we were doing? our dance rehearsals and skits and stuff and vocal lessons training for this final audition executive callback they were grilling the folks they were bringing ah. the folks and trying to get a lay of the land at home what's the relationship with the father and mother is it, you know uh what's if you had to relocate how would you do that if, right you know, what, what kind of fabric does the kid come from? And and that was a really important part. And I think that's why some kids uh, didn't didn't stay on the show for as long as they had hoped because of just that. Uh, but it, you know, the, the the they had me down the first day when my mom and my sister were there, and um, my audition was going well, and my mom was getting very excited. And and when they said, "Hey, look, man, this is great. We would love to have you come back tomorrow," and and kind of retooled the 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 video part so we can send that off to the producers. But we we really. You you know, we want to move forward with you. And and so my mom tells my dad this over the phone before we left uh, downtown Detroit. And he's like, look, no, 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 no. Don't sign anything. Don't sign anything. <laughs> like, I'm going to go run off with the circus before I say goodbye. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> so it was like, you know, he was, he was a little skeptical. My mom was thrilled. But ultimately, everyone was like completely on board. And, and even though this was going to be a great sacrifice to our family because my mom was going to have to come with me. My right. dad was an exec GM. He couldn't just uproot and leave peace right. out Disney. My mom at, at that time, she had a small business that she was running with, with, a, with a partner and, and was able to kind of like, okay, be a little flexible on, on, with on that. hold for a minute. And so she came down to, uh, to, to Florida and her and I were like roommates down in Orlando while my dad <laughs> and my sister stayed in Michigan and, and, and made that work. Um, so it was, it, everyone was really excited. Everybody was all hands on deck. Everyone was on board with making it work because we all knew the scope of the opportunity. I was going to say, did you know you were doing something that is a 1% type of a thing? Did you, did you know, like, was it lost on you because of your like, eh, you know, I've never done this. It's fine. Once you were in it, did you get a sense of like, oh, I'm like one of not many people who gets to do this? Uh, yeah, that, that slowly creeps in over, yeah. over, over the while. Um, I, what you, what I did realize right away, even in LA at that audition camp, but most certainly down in Florida, once we joined the cast and we were actually on the show and we were all being held to a professional level of expectation and, and, and accountability was that we were all big fish from small ponds thrown into a, a, a very big aquarium and 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 literally literally that's kind of the vibe because we were part of the back lot tour where people could walk by <laughs> our <laughs> that's so funny we're like swimming there like, hey. hey oh there goes another one you guys have a good day cool <laughs> that's amazing and so yeah that we were we were constantly on yeah you know and, and again when you think about what goes into casting for a tv show there's obviously certain criterion and diversity and things that they're trying to maintain in terms of a cohesive cast when it's Disney, you're talking about 
a moral compass. You're yeah. talking about a, a, an it factor. You're talking about like a little gleam in the eye that later becomes Justin Timberlake, right. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Carrie Russell, J.C. Shazay, Ryan Gosling. I mean, Tony there's Luca. A, there's a thing, you know, there's like there's thing. a little something in there that's like, okay, um, a, a, an X factor for like, yeah. but, but another gear that, that, and we all realized in real time, like we all had that gear. Right. And we, there was there was a, sort of a, a, a quiet, uh, uh, unspoken sense of competition amongst all of us to right. just out outperform each other, but but ultimately like push each other to to just be awesome, and and so that was really cool. But yeah, like it wasn't until later, you know, certainly later on down the yeah. road, where you realize like. You know, when when we got to know the crew a bit more and they and they would start to tell us like they would point out to us the exceptionality of it all. Right. And, and oftentimes in in, you know, in light of what's life after this, you guys need to get out to L.A. You guys need to get out there. You need to be auditioning for pilot season and right. all these things because, because you are a series regular on a show, show that aired right. five times a day. And that, that was going to be my follow up, actually, because this part of your life experience, we haven't even gotten into all the other awesome life experience. But this part <laughs> of your life experience is really shaping. I mean, because. It could be very easily the one thing you do that worked out and you're like, oh, and I am talented and I do have this hit factor and it's great. And now I'm going to go back to Michigan after my handful of time on this show. And that was a great experience. And I can't wait to tell more people of Michigan about how it went. And then I'm going to go do whatever I'm going to go do. Yeah. Or you are now indoctrined into a community that you may not have even known you were intending to get involved in, then you find out you're in it and you love it. And But now there's that what next factor of, do we then uproot the family and go try to pursue this career with our son? Do we let him live out his normal high school years and then tell him to go do it? Like, I, Was there a moment in that curve, an arc of learning about your own uh, capabilities and your own natural gifted talent where you went, okay, now I have to run with it? Or was it kind of like, I need a break? Yeah, no, no, no. The, again, the timing of it, I was really in a sweet spot as far as timing goes, because the end of the show, like I was on it for four years, right. which was my entire high school, school. career. Uh, at the end of it, the end of which coincided with the end of, uh, of high school for me. So yeah. the, the show canceled was, was, was ended, was canceled, uh, the same year that I graduated high school. And so I was able to like, <laughs> right. go. um, and did you and want I, to, were you ready? Were you bitten oh, by God. that? You were like, I need to just keep going. Yeah, when we found out that the show was being canceled, we were just like overjoyed. The younger kids were not as thrilled because right. they had so much to look forward to. Whereas we were, we were at the edge of the end of this thing. Like we're we were on a daytime children's television show, Mickey Mouse Club, all these image things, these Disney things that we were. They were really trying to like stuff us into a very tight box, and yeah. we're eighteen and ready to just go crazy, right? And, uh, you know, substance and yeah, <laughs> all the things. All the things, and and it, they just couldn't contain that anymore. Yeah. And but more importantly, like work wise, we wanted to sink our teeth into more and bigger, cooler, sexier things. And so this was our chance. We we're going to get to go do that. And, and I had nothing, zero, holding me back. Yeah, I didn't have. I you know, I went back to Michigan after the show was canceled just to basically pack my shit and and head out. Yeah. Um, there were other kids who didn't quite have that same uh, kismet like, timing, right? Where literally they they had to go back home and and get back into regular life. And and Timberlake right. 
Brittany and Christina, the, those guys were of that age where they kind of had to go back to junior high and high right. school, figure out what was what was next for them. Um, Did you, know, you have any sense of, um, and for lack of a better word, normalcy at this time? Did you go to your high school prom? Did you, you had been playing sports as a younger person. Did you let go of that entirely or did it become basketball on set? Like, did you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you keep any semblance of of that quote unquote normal existence, or did your life just kind of change and you were like, "It's better," <laughs> or "It's yeah. cool," and I'm into it? Like, so what? Yeah, right. It was it it was just better. It was cooler. Like the the idea of getting dressed up for an event, like kids do for the first and only time in high school for homecoming and prom, we were doing on the daily basis. Right. <laughs> right. I was, you know, I was going, you know, we were doing events. We were doing red carpets. We were doing, you know, so like, I, this was all exciting now. And, oh, prom, okay. You know, yeah. I, I did to do- stiff arm dance with somebody I don't really know that well is not, you're like, I'll go to the red carpet, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not to say that, like, oddly enough, uh, there was there was a local high school in Orlando called Dr. Phillips. And it, it became like this, uh, this catch-all for- um, kids that were coming into town on the Disney set and the Nickelodeon set that ah. needed uh, needed a school to do correspondence with their tutoring because their homeschools or the, the schools from their hometowns didn't want to do the correspondence thing. And they just were like, if you're leaving, we're not going to try to keep it <laughs> on. They're like, you don't let the door out. hit you as you leave. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I fortunately had a school up in Michigan that was like, no, we were thrilled at the opportunity to work to work with a you know a world renowned company and right. and have our, our have our alumni be represented in and him him represent us and so I, I was able to do the correspondence thing, but a lot of kids they they didn't get that so or in some cases families did completely uproot from their hometowns and moved completely uh, you know. Um, relocated to, to Disney. So they had to enroll somewhere. And yeah. so this Dr. Phillips high school, uh, saw a graduating class of, uh, uh, Melissa Joan Hart, <laughs> Joey Fatone, you know, um, Carrie Russell was in, uh, enrolled there. I think JC got his degree, his, his diploma from there. Uh, it just became like this, this little spot. Yeah. And, uh, the girl uh, that, that I was dating, a castmate that I was dating at the time, she was a senior when I was a junior and she got, you know, she invited me to her prom. So yeah. I did prom, got to see all that stuff. But again, you know, at prom, I'm hang it was literally me, Joey Fatone and <laughs> we weren't all like, you know, famous yet, but it was, it was, it was like it was your crew. It was your little, it was your high school crew. Yeah. The kids that, that everyone kind of kept an eye on because we were the kids in town who were working and, and, uh, and it was, it was fun and unique in its own way, but a little bit of normal and, and, and all of that. But I, you know, yeah, by that point, every normal was way in the rear view mirror now and things yeah. were just always going to be different. And, and they were, when I got out to LA, you know, there was plenty of dudes that were looking around to play pickup games of basketball. And, right. And, so you you get eighteen. Your your series is starting to wind down, and you know it's coming to an end. Did, were you jet set bound for Los Angeles in particular? Was that the spot? Did you ever consider New York? Did you? Was it just like I, I'm going west? I'm going to go see the beach, and I'm going to fucking do my job. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> I visited New York once uh, in uh, in tenth grade, I think. You know, uh, during a hiatus from the show, because because so many people from the crew were from New York, and they're like, "Dude, you'll love New York. You'll love New York." So I got to go visit it, and I, I remember thinking, "Like, holy crap, this place is insane!" And I, oh my god, I don't think I could have. <laughs> 
overwhelmed by it versus like my memory of going to Los Angeles for that audition camp. Uh, and then all the years during, uh, during the show where I would, I would go out there. Um, you know, a lot of people know that it, Carrie Russell and I dated for a lot of years. And so she had left the cast, uh, a year before I had. And so we were doing a long distance thing during my last year on Mouse Club. She was in LA doing pilots and TV shows. And I was in, in Orlando. We were flying back and forth to visit wow. and spend time with each other. So I would go out to LA. I would meet her crew, her, her team. And her manager was like, as soon as you're finished with that Disney thing, and you yeah. want to come out, I will represent you. And I'm like, okay. Cool. <laughs> that's, a, that's convenient and handy. And thanks so much. I'll see you in a few months. <laughs> exactly what happened. I went out there. I got, I had grade A representation and, and uh, I got a, a commercial agent, theatrical agent, and just started booking shit. And, and, and it was, uh, it was exciting. I did go out there with, you know, wide open aspirations in terms of uh, what was I going to do? I, yeah. I know that I know there's a future for me out here. I've got a lot of momentum, but I, I wanted to, to do the music thing. I just didn't know what that was. I wanted to do the the acting thing because I knew there was money in it and I enjoyed it and I would have a resume to speak for, but I didn't I wasn't like passionate to take acting lessons and like dive into this right. whole Thing. So I just, I went out there with like, hey, we'll see what happens. But I knew it was going to be in, in entertainment and that I was going to you know, have to make it happen. Had you already started uh, creating a songwriting forum for yourself? Had that become an outlet for you yet? Or did you, were you crafting songs yet? Or were you just like, I still love to play music. I can play music. So whatever, you know, I'll find it. Yeah, one of the first things that I did when I got out to LA uh, and, and got into like uh, first townhouse, you know, <laughs> uh, living out in the valley, um, I was I spent some of my my money, some of my Disney money on uh, on a piano, a small baby grand, uh, just because I knew like it would just it would be something in the house that I couldn't avoid. I couldn't you know let get yeah. dusty without wanting to play it, and it just be giving me something to, to, to get through all those long days of auditioning and waiting to hear back and, and just working on material, but just having that creative outlet. So I did have a piano, and I, I did start really writing more, more music, uh, and I was collaborating with some people. Uh, there was there was a, a, an ex, a uh, former castmate from the yeah. show, Rona Bennett, who is now in, in Vogue. <laughs> <laughs> She's like hardcore awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but she, you know, was doing like a young Whitney thing. Yeah. And I was like, let's work together. I've got all the, I know, because I was, I was a big Anita Baker fan. And so I'm writing all these yes. like, you know, adult contemporary jazzy, you know, R&B things. And she was like, dude, yeah. So she would come over and we would write, we would just write. Uh, yeah. And so we, her and I worked on a, a little demo thing. I hadn't found my voice yet. I had started writing some sort of, you know, sappy little love song thing. I was going to say, because you're such a wordsmith. You're, I would say as much as you write beautiful melodies, your lyrical content is so profound to me. I find that you are such a, a great sharer of ideas in new ways that are not always, you know, obvious. I think it, that's the, you don't come from in this obvious, like, Mm, 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 tie and high and bye and you know like uh, so <laughs> you know I, I, but yeah, but right. I, that's a discovery too I, I mean I would love to say that people are just born prolific like that and maybe maybe you are but it, was there any movement in discovering that that if, outlet of of wordsmithing yeah, and poetry there was a bona fide moment there was. And- I don't know what the, the, the general demographic of your audience is, but uh, maybe we'll go on a little journey here. Let's, let's see. <laughs> take, 
Take me on a journey, Tony, Tony Luca. I'm ready. Um, yeah. Seatbelt on. <laughs> um, for my, uh, I started writing. I, now I was writing songs in earnest, and I was like starting to develop uh, a, a little bit of a catalog. And the songs were all kind of shaping up to sound very similar. They were. <laughs> about the same relationship from as many angles as I could. And it was, they were all sort of sappy, pathetic kind of unrequited love breakup songs. Pass those and, songs to me now. I'll start singing them. We'll give them new life on a... <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I had a friend who was like a music... Uh, connoisseur he he came from you know he was everything from jazz to the grateful dead to dylan to Joni. he 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 knew it all enough he knew enough of all of it uh to to uh, to, to point to and references and things and knew where the bar was on what what was good in 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 you know, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, Aretha, like he knew where, where, what was up. And, and I admired his, his take and kind of sought his approval a lot from my stuff, uh, you know, and he'd come to a couple shows out of support and show, you know, saw me play and he, uh, you know, but he, and he had a really gentle way of suggesting changes. <laughs> A general way of letting me know what he thought about my music by the advice he would give me, <laughs> you know, like he would never give me his take on it, but he would suggest things that would imply that he thinks something else what- could happen here. Yeah. <laughs> Right, you know, and so we were... Like, wouldn't uh, it be a great idea? I love the tune, Tony. I love the tune. Right. You know, in that one bridge section, you might want to play with this idea. I mean, it just might, yeah. you know. And not even, not even like that constructive not even like that specific <laughs> but just like these broad general ideas that that would make me re- like instant soul searching kind of like yeah my songs don't do that wow they should do that <laughs> um and so yeah but it was this one moment on uh my 21st birthday uh we had gone out to uh the coast just north of of malibu um and we had done uh, we had taken some uh some some shroom tea <laughs> And yes. on, on, on the beach, just I am like, already excited about this story. <laughs> kicking it in, learning life all over again in yeah. an afternoon. And uh, we had this little, you know, uh, portable disc player thing. And, and uh, we had brought some, some CDs out there with us, you know, to play. And, and I didn't know what was going to be conducive. Like, cause I've never done <laughs> I'm bringing some some of this, some of that, you know. Yeah. And halfway through the day, bring like, a plethora so we can we can accommodate whatever vibe presents itself. Right, and yeah. like and all of a sudden going through these CDs, I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and he has this whole collection of discs that are like uh, every last one was perfect. It was like the perfect vibe. Whenever he would put one in, he would just because he, he knew he he had done this before. I had not. This is my first adventure. Into <laughs> this is this amazing. Realm. Um, and it was while we were listening to like some dead thing and I was like kind of scratching my head at the dead thing. I didn't really get it and still don't entirely get it. <laughs> I appreciate it. I just don't really uh, get in, into it. But I, we were sitting there talking about it and he was, he basically was just saying like, man, unless, unless the lyric is going to uh, open up a window for others that, that you want others to look into and 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 like bring value to their life in some reflective way. I just don't want to hear it. He <laughs> <laughs> was saying like specifically to right now in this moment or when you're tripping or whatever. Oh my God, it's amazing. And what's also amazing is I'm never going to forget that ever. Yeah, like, and it was just like, 
what a impossible standard. <laughs> but like, dude, I can't do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, but it was like, oh my God. That's what it should do. Yes. For, you know? So that's when I went home and wrote uh, the next day I wrote, uh, I, I don't know if you remember the song, Melancholy Collar that mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. Melancholy Collar off my throat. Yes. This, this whole thing where uh, every day I tell myself I'm sane, like a watercolor painter painting in the rain. Yes. Well, this is what I mean about your poetry and your wordsmithing. Like every lyric of yours, I hang on because I'm always like, it's going somewhere awesome. Like he's, he's unraveling a story in real time. And that's why I was like, based on the things that you had to this point said, I'm like, hmm, Anita Baker, hmm, kiss, hmm. Billy Joel has great lines, so I, you know that's a great one. Yeah, but, but, but like, you know, most definitely, where, where, where? At what point did it kick in? That's what, yeah. I was like, we have yet to to dive into how his wordsmithing has come to be, but now I know. That was it, man. That was that's the moment. A mind blow. 21st, I mean, that's huge. 21st, 21st birthday, you know, and I'd probably written a handful of songs up to that point, and now it was like, oh yeah, no. If I'm going to do it now, I'm going to. I'm going to put something in each of my verses or each of my songs, each of my courses that that could stand alone, uh, that that anyone could relate to or anyone could identify with in some way, shape, or form. At least that was the goal. Obviously. Yeah, we fall off the mark, but but uh, but it was just such an eye-opening moment as as you're wont to have when you're tripping. Uh, your- I mean, yeah, <laughs> ideally you want to come out enlightened in some way. You know, hopefully hopefully it's not an enlightenment of I don't want to listen to this shit. Yeah. You know, hopefully it comes into something poignant like it did for you. I should I should also say it was a one two punch of spending the afternoon like that with tickets to go see Ben Harper at the house. Oh of my gosh! <laughs> get out of here! You get out of here! So that, it was like I was, boom, I was boom. Yeah, yeah. I was like <laughs> You're all, I just got the right uppercut and now I got the left swing. Like it's just here we oh, go. Yeah, it was it was a great day. Oh my god, I bet that show was incredible. <laughs> it was nuts. And of course we're just standing in front row. <laughs> You're just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget the curtain at the House of Blues. It's pretty pretty majestic oh, coming down. <laughs> I miss that place. Yeah. Can't believe they got rid of it. Thank you for joining us for part one with Tony Luca. Please be sure to tune in on Friday for part two. Okay, everyone. Today's episode was recorded at and brought to you by Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Raven Sound Studio is a professionally equipped audio production facility offering recording, mixing, and mastering services throughout northern Arizona and surrounding areas. Whether you are looking to cut a demo, record your next single, or have a full album produced, Raven Sound Studio has the tools and skills you need to get the job done. For more information, head to www.ravensoundstudio.com to book a session or schedule a tour. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. Get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming. Your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.